Well, good morning. We had a great start to our backpack buddies this morning at the donuts and coffee and juice and a good turnout. And so if you were not able to be here this morning and you are a backpack buddy, uh, adult or child, if you're wondering who, who is my buddy, uh, you can see Vanessa Dowdy. And I believe there's a list that's on the table back here, too. So you can you can check that list out and find out uh, who your kiddo or who your adult is for uh, this school year. So we're excited about that. Also, Wednesday night, uh, we kicked off the uh, Parenting Without Regrets class, and we had uh, the north of 40 uh, in attendance for that class. And so we had a, a wide range of parenting experience in that room from those who are uh, soon-to-be parents, uh, those who are uh, parents many times over, those who were parents years ago but are now grandparents, and those who are parenting their grandchildren. And so I want you to know that this class is for anybody, uh, not just for those you, you don't categorize it in one particular age range or one particular life stage. It is for everyone. Each week is independent in the topics. And so uh, there is something for everyone. It's been a great class. We had a number of guests with us. And so uh, we're, we're glad to see that and make some new uh, connections some new uh, relationships through that. So, uh, so if you got any questions about it, uh, just turn to your right or left. There was probably somebody in that class, and they can tell you about it, of uh, why, you, why you should be here and what you can get out of it. So, good morning. <laughs> so, when we live by faith, uh, we experience struggle on a daily basis, right? When we have set our minds to live by faith in God, we experience, maybe we always experience struggle, but we recognize struggle in a different framework When we are living by faith, the struggle is between putting faith in ourselves and relying on God. And so propping our lives up on our own understanding and and relinquishing uh, the unknown and the uncertain to the wisdom and the power of God who who is over all and knows all. That's the struggle. Do I try to run it myself? Do I try to rely on on my, my own plotting or do I follow God's lead? Because sometimes I don't know where God's leading. And that's a struggle in itself. I, I want to know what the end result is. I want to know, I want to see God's map laid out in front of me. God, here's where we're starting. Where are we going to finish? And all we really know is we're going to finish at His eternal throne. And so what happens between now and then is uncertain. And that brings a lot of tension to life. And so most of the time, this doesn't translate into an, an unearned confidence, but rather unwarranted doubt. And that's where we find ourselves a lot. Living by faith is dethroning trust in ourselves and turning to God who saves and God who redeems. And so we've been in this series in Hebrews chapter 11 now for several weeks. And this chapter is referred to as a great chapter of faith. And although faith permeates the the Bible from Genesis to to maps, as Oren likes to say, um, this particular section focuses on everyday people who God called to do extraordinary things. And He worked through them and showed us through them what He can accomplish through His creation. So all they accomplished was intended by God and they accomplished it by faith. And so this entire letter of Hebrews is about this salvation by grace through faith. Don't trust in your own accomplishments. Don't trust in your heritage. Don't trust in your rituals. Don't trust in anything other than Jesus because He is better than everything else. Anything that you can accomplish on your own. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, for instance, in verse 8, Paul would write, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not from works, so that no one can boast. And so we had some folks holding their heritage over others. I'm Jewish, 
So I'm, I'm in better in God's grace than you are. And so Jesus came to eliminate those walls, eliminate those barriers. And He says, no, everything comes through Me. You come to God through Me. Not through your heritage, not through what you've accomplished on your own, but through what I have accomplished. And so throughout this chapter, we see these individual displays of faith. But when we come to verse 30 in Hebrews chapter 11, it's not an individual who displays faith here. It's a community that displays faith. And so Hebrews 11 and verse 30 says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people marched around them for seven days. So, 40 years ago, or last Sunday to us, we saw that the the Israelites, by faith, they, they stepped between the walls of water that God had parted for them towards the promised land. They passed through the sea towards this promised land. And the Egyptian army pursued them. Hot pursuit. And God released the water over the Egyptian army. And He drowned every soldier and every horse that pursued. And He delivered the Israelites completely from this king of Egypt. And so when the people reached the border of the promised land, we pick this story up in Numbers chapter 13. We've got to get a little backstory here to our theme in Hebrews. So Numbers chapter 13 and beginning in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses... Send out men to investigate the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites at the promised land. So you are to send one man from each ancestral tribe, each one a leader among them. And so he said, send a leader of each tribe. Twelve men went to spy out Canaan. Ten saw bad and two saw good. What did they see when they spied out Canaan? Ten saw bad and two saw good. Some saw giants strong and tall. Some saw grapes like clusters fall. Y'all know this song? Some saw God as overall, ten saw bad, and two saw good. Nothing extra for that this morning. But our kids know that song. So we got ten men that went who all they could see was the bad, all they could see was a barrier to this land. But two saw good. But guess what? Those ten convinced the rest of the Israelite tribes that it's too dangerous. It's too much for us. We can't enter Canaan. Despite the Lord having told them already, I have given this land to you. It is yours by my hand. And yet, see, here's the thing. Faith can be overcome by fear just as fear can be overcome by faith. The difference in this is us. It's our thinking. It's how we approach it. So do we believe the object of our fear is greater than the object of our faith. Well, the Israelites did, despite all that God had already done for them and releasing, bringing them out of this bondage in Egypt. So a 40-day journey from Egypt to Canaan, straight through as the crow flies, a 40-day journey, but God holds them up for two years at Mount Sinai. Two years, God is in labor to birth this nation. And so now when the journey should be over, The people traded their freedom in a promised land for the prison of a desert. And so Numbers 14 and verse 29, God says, Your dead bodies will fall in this wilderness. All of those who were numbered, according to your full number, from 20 years old and upward, who have murmured against me, complained, said, We can't do it. It's too much for us. Because they took their eyes off of God. God says, You will by no means enter into the land where I swore to settle you. The only exceptions are Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Twelve men went to spy out Canaan. Ten saw bad. Guess who saw good? (laughs) He says, I will bring in your little ones 
whom you said would be victims of war, and they will enjoy the land that you have despised. See, the people said, he's brought us out here and our our children are going to die because of this. Our children are going to fall victim to all these foreign armies. And God said, guess what? I will cradle them in my arms and I will carry them across the border of this land after they bury you. But as for you, your dead bodies will fall in this wilderness. And they did. An entire generation of doubters is now dead. And one of those spies who saw the good some 40 years ago is back. And this time, he is the leader of this people, commander to finally settle them in the land promised to Abraham so long ago. And so I don't know. It doesn't quite seem right, does it? You've got Joshua and you have Caleb who believe. They had faith in what God, and they boldly professed that faith. No, we can do it. God said he would deliver us. God alone is our deliverer. And yet they had to suffer the same 40 years of consequences that the grumbling, riding rest of the Israelites had to suffer. It doesn't seem fair, does it? But see, here's the deal. Sometimes our choices, our choices always have consequences, but sometimes you suffer the consequences of other people's choices. And so, in fact, God, had God allowed, think about this, had God allowed the people to enter on the faith of Joshua and Caleb. Okay, I know everybody else is against this, but these two say it's okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna just make an exception, and I'm gonna let y'all go in anyways. Think about what would have happened. They never would have survived as a nation on the faith of Joshua and Caleb alone, right? Nor would they have the fulfillment of God's promise to bless this, the, the nations of the earth through them. And although in that moment it might have seemed unfair to those who actually had faith in God, in fact, it was a blessing and a greater way to put this on hold. It's like, it's like when you say, um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful sunset. Now, mosquitoes are eating me up, though. You say, oh, man, isn't this, this food is wonderful. Yeah, it'd probably give me indigestion. Oh, that's a lovely color you're wearing. Yeah, it sure shows dirt. You been there? Which side? So the land of milk, think about it, if they'd have gone in, if he'd have let them go in, just on the faith of, of Joshua and Caleb, the land of milk and honey would have been a land of curdled milk and gluten. So that would have been the, what would have happened to this. But see, God has rerouted them from one dead end to another, right? Or has he? So last week we talked about how the challenges of faith can sometimes look like a dead end to us. The mighty Red Sea looked like a dead end to the Israelites for you know, several hundred thousand of them fleeing Egypt. And now, looming over the horizon, guarding, if you will, the border of Canaan is another seemingly dead end. This mighty fortress called Jericho. And so in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13, Joshua was near Jericho when he saw a man standing at a, some distance in front of him. And the man was holding a sword. So Joshua walked up to him and asked, Are you on our side or our enemy's side? Neither, he answered. I am here because I am the commander of the Lord's army. And see, I think this is funny because most of the time when we pray, God be with us, we assume he's with our team, right? I mean, not not them, not. But me, right? Our team. And probably more times than not, God's answer is neither. And so God is always, here's the, God's always for God's purpose. And the question is really God's question to us. Are you on my side? Are you on Satan's side? 
And so this is certainly an angel sent by God, which explains why in verse 14, Joshua fell to his knees and bowed down to the ground. He said, I am your servant. Tell me what to do. And he says, take off your sandals. This is a holy place. So Joshua took off his sandals. You better believe he did. You better believe he did. So in verse Verse 1 of chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut tightly because of the Israelites. No one was allowed to leave or enter. The Lord told Joshua, See, I am about to defeat Jericho for you, along with its king and its warriors. Have all the warriors march around the city one time and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the horns. When you hear the signal from the ram's horn... Have the whole army give a loud battle cry. Then the city wall will collapse and the warriors should charge straight ahead. Now you remember some 40 years ago, you remember when the the fathers and the mothers, the grandparents of these people were facing the watery grave of the Red Sea. And to their backs was this bloody death of the Egyptian army, right? And what did the people do? Remember, they cried out, they moaned. Have you brought us out here to die? Why did did you do this to us? We're all dead. And now a generation later, a generation having been raised in the desert, experiencing the miraculous way that God brought food from the sky and water from rocks. They've seen all this. They've experienced this. Now, how Scripture says their clothes never so much as got a pulled thread. Their clothes didn't wear out. For the entire time, they were transient in this desert. Decades now. And I know for some of you it doesn't seem like a miracle because you've managed to wear the same clothes for decades. But just saying. But nevertheless, think about this. Traveling through rocky, dry desert for 40 years. This was all God. Every bit of this was the hand of God. And the difference this day is the people acted on faith instead of recoiling in fear. And so on the seventh day, They were up at the crack of dawn and they marched around the city as before. Only this time they marched around it seven times. The seventh time around, the priest blew the ram's horns and Joshua told the army, Give the battle cry, for the Lord is handing the city over to you. And the ram's horns sounded. And when the army heard the signal, they gave a loud battle cry. And the wall collapsed and the warriors charged straight ahead into the city and captured it. And so the writer of Hebrews has walked us through the Old Testament up to this point. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all the way towards the prophets. But here's the deal. He is not simply interested in providing us some history lesson. He's not just trying to remind us of all that God has done, but He is calling Christians not only to understand what faith means, but to persevere in faith. Convinced that what God says in Jesus is true. Y'all remember what God said in these other situations, and it was true. This is what God says about Jesus. No different. It is also true. Same God, same Word, same truth. And so we have learned now how faith is sacrificial. Faith calls us to repentance. It inspires our worship. It's, faith is fearless. It's unwavering. And even when pursued by our enemies, Through faith, God will deliver us from evil because faith is conquering. And so Hebrews 11.30, by faith, this conquering faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people marched around them for seven days. So in Joshua, we see 
that the gates of, of, of Jericho were securely barred. When you read the full story here, they were barred up because of the Israelites. They knew they were coming. And so they, they fortified a fortified city. They over-fortified it. It was like this self-imposed siege that they had holed up in because they were afraid of what the Israelites might do. More importantly, they were afraid of this God of the Israelites and what they had heard. And so the Israelites had already infiltrated the city. They'd spied it out. And we'll look at that in a couple of weeks. But this city was impenetrable for the Israelites. There's no way they're getting in this city. And so archaeology tells us that Jericho was built on a mound. It's called a tell. And so you've got this mound, which is basically a hill of dirt, a pretty significant hill of dirt. And what they used to do, we go in when we build stuff and we level off the ground. We bulldoze it and level it out, clear out all the old dirt. That's not how they did it back then. They would go in and they would kind of pile up all the debris, the rubble from previous civilizations, and they would build on top of it. And so civilization after civilization would build on top of one another and you would end up with what's called a tell. These, these tall hills or mounds that you would find these structures built on. And so this was a great uh, earthen embankment now with about a 12 to 15 foot stone retaining wall on top of that. And then on top of that was a mud brick wall, six foot thick, about 20 to, to 26 foot high. So you can imagine now the, the size of this. And at the crest of this embankment was a similar mud brick wall whose base was about 46 feet above the ground level outside the retaining wall. This is what loomed over these Israelites as they approached this city, as they marched around the city each day for seven days. And so humanly speaking, it was impossible for the Israelites to breach this fortress of Jericho. It certainly looked impossible. And so the Lord told Joshua, See, I'm about to defeat Jericho for you, along with its king and its warriors. Whatever Joshua was looking at, God wanted him to look at this. I'm about to do this. This is what you need to be looking at. But no, all I see is this barrier. I see this barrier to this blessing that God has promised. See, sometimes we need to listen to God and give our eyes a rest. And so Satan is constant. He's relentless, reminding us of what we can't do and drowning out the voice of God saying, I am greater than. I am greater than. We need reminding that He's promised us. He's promised His children that He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And we need that reminding, just as the people of Jericho were afraid of, of, of what God would, would do through these wandering Israelites. Satan is afraid of what God will do through us. And so Joshua was facing this impossible circumstance, but he knew what God had promised. That's what he needed to focus on. So give your eyes a rest and listen to God. So in verse 3, have all the warriors... Have all the warriors march around the city one time for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the horns. When you hear the signal from the ram's horn, have the whole army give a loud battle cry. And then the city will collapse. The warriors should charge straight ahead. Now, can you imagine what an outrageously visual image this was? When our kids were younger, they were two, three, or four-ish. They hadn't quite figured out my twisted humor, and so they were like, they would freak out over stuff like mosquitoes in the house. And so one time um, I told them they were freaking out, a mosquito, a mosquito. I said, look, here's what you got to do. You go into the pantry and you each get you a Walmart sack. If you put that sack on your head, loop it over your ears, and you walk through the house waving your arms, the mosquitoes won't come near you. And they did it. They did it. And I got no video. I got no video of that. 
But you think about how outrageous that was. I tell you what, they never saw a mosquito again in that house. But God is effectively asking the Israelites, put a Walmart sack on your head and march around the city waving your arm. That's really what this looks like to this fortified structure of Jericho. The difference is God has already smashed their enemy under His hand. But they had to believe that. They had to believe it. It took humility for this great military man, Joshua, the people of Israel, to submit to this vulnerability of what God was asking them to do. And so humility, see, humility opens your ears to hear. And we know that, Romans ten seventeen, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the Word of God, the preached Word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing what Jesus has said, what He has promised. Saving faith is both from hearing what God has to say, the salvation belongs to the Lord, and what does faith do? Faith moves us forward. Faith is on the move. Are you moving forward in obedience to God? How do you know? How do you know if you're moving forward? Well, think about this time last year in your life. Has your attitude towards other people become more like Jesus? Has it become more like the Jesus who wept over Jerusalem, wept over the people who would reject Him? Have your hands become busier serving the needs of those around you? Have your thoughts become more centered on your eternal relationship with Christ? How do I know my faith is moving forward? Has your response to those who have wronged you become more of pity? See, faith moves us forward because we are people traveling forward. We're traveling upward to an eternal destination. See, all they could see was this enormous obstacle in front of them. But even in their silent march, the Israelites could hear the voice of God because humility opens our ears to hear. And the commander of God's angel armies told Joshua, you take off your shoes because you are in the presence of God. And instead of boycotting Nike, we need to make sure first we're honoring God's own shoe campaign. See, in Jesus Christ, we live in the presence of God so that we are always on holy ground. And he said, you take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Faith requires action. I believe. Show me your faith by your works. What kind of faith is it? What kind of faith is it where you say you believe in God, but you do not do what He says to do? James tells us that that's a dead faith. That's a dead faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. After. When? After. The people marched around them for seven days. By faith, after action. God's primary method of operation in accomplishing His will has always been and seemed to be working through and alongside people. And so God could have leveled Jericho before they even got there. But He didn't do it. The Israelites needed to know they got skin in this game. They got a responsibility in their following God. God is as much about leveling the walls of our heart as He is about leveling the obstacles to our faith. And so that's our pushback, though. Why doesn't God just do this? Why doesn't God just stop that? Well, perhaps it's because He's waiting on us to move at the sound of our heart's battle cry for righteousness and justice in this world. Why doesn't God do something about this? Because He's waiting for faith in action. And so perhaps He's waiting on our question to change from why to now why. Perhaps He's waiting on us to remove our shoes 
and to humble ourselves, humble our ears, humble our hands and our feet, humble our attitudes. The Israelites had to wander 40 years until the the old attitudes, the old prejudice, gave birth to a new way of thinking about living by faith. And sometimes sin leads us to wander in our own desert until we realize that humility is the weapon that conquers the enemy. It's humility. Humbling ourselves before God. Philippians 2 and verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, he says, my dear friend, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So while God is carrying out his purpose in the lives of believers, it's clear that we must choose to keep in step with the Spirit. We have to choose to fall in line with the Spirit of God. And sometimes the path to that purpose leads us up to a seemingly impenetrable wall. But the question for us is, will we move forward in faith or will we retreat in fear and doubt? That depends on whom you have placed your faith in. Where's your faith this morning? Is your faith in God, the one who broke down the walls of Jericho? Beyond that, is your faith in God, the one, as Frank so eloquently brought our minds to this morning, who raised up Jesus from the dead? From the dead. From the heart-stopped, no-brain function, dead. He brought Him back. In a human body, for a little while. Yet changed. Why? Why would God do that? Remember, don't ask why. Ask what now. What now? So that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you believe this morning? Where is your faith? If your faith is in yourself, I would surmise that you have your back against the wall or you're facing a wall in your life that you don't know how you're going to get around. You've been trying to dig under it. You've been trying to climb over it. And you're not making much progress. Maybe it's time that you look up in faith. God, lead me. But more than that, God, help me follow You. That's our cry this morning. God, help me follow. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you ready to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? To be baptized into Him for the forgiveness of your sins. To be raised up as He was. Today from a watery grave. And tomorrow from the grave of decay to eternal life. Will you make that choice today? If you need to place your faith in God, versus anything else in this world. We can pray for you for strength that you're able to do that by God's Spirit. Will you come this morning as we stand and sing this good song?